everyone, and welcome to the Over Six Sports Podcast. It's your boy, Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, Cam the Turf King Charlton. How are you doing, Cam? Well, I mean, if we talked about a week ago, I would have been way better. I mean, the Habs are in the Stanley Cup final right now, and I was coming off a high last week. After we did the podcast, the Habs won game six. They're through to the final, down one nothing right now, so it's kind of ruining the mood a little bit, but they're still here. They're still four wins away from the Stanley Cup, so I'm feeling pretty good. How are you, Burke? I'm doing well, just a little under the weather due to some, uh, uh, due to some COVID protection. So I'm all ready to go, good to go, ready to travel to the U.S. for some football in the fall. Get to watch the Miami Dolphins this year, hopefully. Uh, can't wait for that. Um, yeah, super excited. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, talking about the Habs. Like, man, they they just they're just finding ways to get it done. Um, and we'll, we'll get to game one here in a second, but. You know, against Vegas, they're just they just found ways to get it done, man. Like Stone did nothing, and there was speculation that he was hurt. And he comes out after and says, "No, it wasn't hurt. I just sucked." And uh, <laughs> like, it, it, you're sh- like you're shutting down these number one guys, and like Stone's a guy who I mean, he probably should have scored a couple. Carry robbed him, but at the end of the day, I don't know what formula the Habs are using, but it worked against Toronto. Obviously, it worked against Winnipeg, and worked against Vegas when everybody else counted them out against Vegas. Yeah, I mean, this the no line's just been huge. These top four on D have been massive. I mean, you had Richardson talking about the, those top four on D just being thoroughbreds. They're just unbelievable back there, keeping the chances to the minimum. And when you're keeping chances to the minimum with a goalie like Carey Price, it makes life easy. And Montreal's done this for years in the playoffs. They've kind of kept teams not being able to score, keep games low scoring, just haven't been able to score. But this year, you watch that goal in game six by Cole Caulfield, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we got a game breakers now, too. Guy who just chips it around. That movie made it the blue line to chip it around the D. Oh, so nice. goes in and just goes shelf. You're like, yeah, we have these guys now, too. So not only can they play that shutdown style, they do have a couple guys who can put the puck in who you haven't had before. I mean, they looked a little overwhelmed in game one, but, I mean, that was the recipe for success. In every facet, they were better than Vegas overall in that series. It wasn't Carey Price standing on his head or anything. They were the better team. They won in six, and it's just now three straight series where they've just came with such a game plan, worked it perfectly, get good goals, get good saves, and just it's the perfect game plan, and they're executing it just about as flawlessly as could be through three series now. Well, and, yeah, I mean, let's get into game one then of of the cup final, which is just wild that I'm, we're even talking about this, considering, what, three weeks ago we were talking about um, three or four weeks ago, we were talking about the Leafs being up 3-1, and now we're talking about the Habs being down one nothing in the Cup Finals. So just to even get to this point is impressive. Yeah, I remember being on this podcast after Game 4 and basically being like, it's going to suck if we don't get to see fans in Canada because Game 6, Habs-Leafs, is going to be the first time we were going to be able to. And now we're talking about possibly 10,000 fans being at the Bell Centre for Game 3, and it's just it's nuts where this has gone. It goes from nowhere to the Habs are in the Stanley Cup Final, and I mean – yeah, Tampa's the favorite, but Montreal has a legit chance to win the cup this year. They've proven it now through three series. So, I mean, yeah, we can start talking about game one a little bit. And, I mean, this is something that you touched on before that I wasn't crediting as much as I maybe should have, but it definitely looked like a team who was here last year versus a lot of younger guys who hadn't been. Yeah, Some of the veterans on the Habs look good, but that Suzuki Caulfield line did not. They were 
in over their heads it looked like in game one and i expect a big bounce back from those two guys but game one that for sure was the storyline well and that's kind of and as i said right like this is what the difference to me was and like you can talk stats you can talk whatever you want all the time um but just having been there and being having been there recently like i absolutely i didn't expect maybe the Habs to play as poorly as they did overall i mean yeah there's a couple bad bounces like the charat you know, stops the puck right in front of the net with his glove and it gets batted in. Like, those kinds of plays aren't going to happen every single game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – it's these guys have been here before, and I, I do expect, and I think tonight, you know, I, I do expect that um, the Habs are, will play better in game two. I don't know if they're necessarily going to win. I could see this one going to overtime. I think Tampa probably still wins the game, but, you know, you kind of got to – like, I know that you don't think this necessarily, but to me, um, this is a must-win game for the Habs. Like, you, you have to get this one. I know you're going to say, well, you, you're never out of it till you lose at home. Um, but if you look at – so there's a stat I'll give you before you respond to that. So teams that go up 2-0 in the best-of-seven Stanley Cup final have an all-time series record of 46-5. and 6 and 5 the last team to come back and win the cup after being down 2-0 was Boston versus Vancouver in 2011. So 46 and 5 is an overwhelmingly big percentage like 90%. Yeah, I think overall it's actually way closer to 60%. The final is a little different, but yeah, it's tonight's a huge. It's a massive game and by the time anyone's listening to this, they'll already know the result. I wasn't discounting that it's a massive game. I just think in game 1 we realized that matchups are super important. Kucherov point had zero shot attempts, zero shot attempts against the nose line. And they basically feasted on Suzuki Caulfield line. So that's where home ice is actually a massive advantage. So it, they're not completely out of it. If Montreal wins tonight, I actually think the series could shift in their favor, not even just evens it up and you feel good. It's I think could favor them. Now you go back to the bell center for two straight games where you get your line matchups and you realize in game one, that can be hugely important. I know the score said 5-1, but I mean, even the Habs goal was a crazy bounce. And you look at a lot of the stats, Montreal actually had the Corsi advantage. The Fenwick, which is kind of scoring chance Corsi, slight advantage to uh, Tampa Bay. And the high danger chances were 8-7 to for Tampa Bay. So the game was a lot closer than that. Tampa was very opportunistic, and that's they had the top-end skill to be able to do that. And... Yeah, it was probably to me like a 3-1 game. Tampa was by far better. Montreal got completely off their game plan, and they can't do that against this team. They could get away with it, especially against the Jets in Vegas because they don't have that high on scoring. They can't really do that here. Like The Jets in Vegas have both struggled to score at times. Vegas has now been to the semis three of the last four years, and then they struggle to score. So you can kind of get away with making some of those mistakes against them. You can't do it with Tampa. They were huge opportunists, and it really – paid but they were by far the better team montreal didn't play their game plan and if montreal's not going to play the style that got them here this series could be over quick it could be over in five like that and it wouldn't shock me if montreal can't they have enough veterans in the room though that i think they'll look at last game and be like this is an anomaly we were kind of overwhelmed especially like the young guys kk suzuki caulfield this is their first taste of this this is really their first taste of real playoff hockey because i don't really consider the bubble that so I expect a huge bounce back tonight, but yeah, if Montreal doesn't play their game style, they're in trouble. The game was closer than 5-1. It wasn't like the 8 nothing Tampa yeah, Isles no. game. But Montreal still wasn't good enough, and if you're going to play like that and not get into your style, you're not going to win against Tampa. So what are you looking for tonight just in terms of matchups and, and play style? I know you're saying you have to go back to what you were doing before. Um, did the Habs have enough to 
get the matchups that they that they need like is there is there a specific matchup that you want to see that you think that they could have success with well if they can get the no line out there against the kucherov point line that was proven success when they could do it last game the thing is cooper really tried avoiding that richardson didn't seem to be able to adjust that's another storyline right now that we're kind of struggling with is montreal's missing their head coach ducharme's not there right now he'll be back for game three getting through covid protocol but I think it'll be interesting. I think one thing you'll learn in a hurry, I think they're going to start off with the same lineup, but the big move I could see early in the game if things aren't going well is Dano and Suzuki just swapping lines. That gets Suzuki between Gallagher and Lekkonen, who are a little more in their own end, a little more veterans, do all the right things, and that moves Dano with Caulfield and Toffoli, who are, again, it puts two veterans with Caulfield, two veterans with Suzuki, and I think that really balances the lineup better if they can't avoid that matchup because we just can't go into that matchup again of getting Point and Kucherov out there against Suzuki and Caulfield over and over again. Well, and I think the other thing too, and this is not groundbreaking hot takes, but I mean, you really need to stay out of the box. Like you need like any sort of little thing that you think might get called and maybe it won't, but maybe it will stay out of it, man. Like Gallagher smashes his face after on the ice after fighting. I forget who it was, but uh, Sergachev. Sergachev, yeah, smashed his face on the ice. And, like, let's be honest here, this guy's lucky not to be in concussion protocol, right? Like, you just, not that you're staying out of rough stuff by any means, but um, with how lethal Tampa's power play is, like, if I'm the Habs, I mean, you got to play on the edge, sure, because if you don't, you, you can get run out of the building. And that's what the Habs have been good at in this playoffs, has been playing physical, playing on the edge. Um, and I know the Habs' uh, p- uh, penalty kill has been good, but if you give these guys too many shots it's gonna bite you in the ass sooner than later yeah like i'm not too worried they went one for three on the power play in the first game they did look really good they'll be missing alice Kalorn tonight which mm-hmm. is a huge part of their power play so that's in montreal's advantage but i'd rather montreal just play their game plan play hard do the make those hits make those cross checks up front make it difficult especially when you know guys like stamkos kucherov and headman are not 100 percent. not that anybody is at this time i'd say if anyone's 100 percent in the stanley cup final they clearly have not been playing hard enough so you got to play those guys hard and i want to see them play the on that edge in the way they can because you got to make it difficult for these guys if you give them time and space and make it easy you're in trouble. You can't win seven, five games against Tampa. No, you need to win these two, one, three, two games. That's the only way you can stay in this series. You don't have the firepower to match them. So don't try and get into that. You got to play these tight box it up hard style hockey. Well, exactly what the Islanders tried to do, right? Like that's the kind of style you played. And, and, and as you said, like, like that's the style that they've played in the past. So try to get back to it. Um, my prediction for the game tonight, I'm taking Tampa in overtime. I think the game's going to be a lot closer today. Um, so I'm taking 3-2 Tampa in OT. I think Carey Price's look good. Um, in, the, in game one, I know it was 5-1, but I actually thought that he made some really good saves. And you look at some of the goals that went in, and it's like, ah, I can't really do much about that. And um, frankly, like Vasilevsky's been unreal. And uh, and you've been talking about how the, like Vasilevsky's been stealing games more often than not. Um, but eventually some are going to go in, right? I mean, he, he cannot steal every single game for these guys. So if Tampa gets back on their heels a little bit here, th- I think Montreal could get a couple early. Tampa's throwing us back. It'll be tight. So it's either going to be 3-2, 3-3, something like that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this game go to overtime. Yeah, that's a huge thing that I like. I didn't realize about Tampa is how tight they can be offensively too, or defensively. They didn't give up a lot of chances, which I was kind of shocked about from seeing some of their underlying stats. 
And yeah, Carey Price was fine in game one. He was very average. But the thing is, is you can't have Carey Price be just okay, especially when you're playing Vasilevsky. He needs to be better than he was. He's by far not any reason they lost, but he needs to make a couple of those saves if you're going to win this series. He needs to prove that he can be just as good, if not better, than Vasilevsky this series for Montreal to win. So he was very, probably slightly above average, but I don't think good enough for Montreal to win the series. But again, there were so many other issues with the team that that's why they lost game one. I think it's going to be super low scoring tonight. If I had to make a prediction, which I hate doing, I got 2-1 Montreal. Carey Price, after losing a game, doesn't allow more than two goals, especially in the playoffs ever. So I think it'll be super tight. Vasilevsky's seems to occasionally struggle after a big win and after a big game. So we'll see. He's tremendous off a loss. So then game three, it's the opposite. But I think Montreal's just going to come up much better, play a lot tighter defensively. And I think a guy like Caulfield's going to find a way to sneak one in tonight. And we're going to, you know, th- this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter than um, than normal. Uh, the game runs at 8 o'clock, so uh, I'll probably tuck this, uh, tuck this one just under an hour here because uh, we want to get you off to the game, and we're looking forward to it. And, um, I mean, hey, you got a game tonight. Uh, you got a game. Is game three Friday then? Yeah, game three is Friday, and then I believe the next game's not till Monday. I think they have a few days okay. off. All right, so we'll have we'll have four games, four four or five, probably four games in the books by the time we we talk next. Um, and we hope that uh, well, you hope that we're not talking about Tampa winning the Stanley Cup, and um, you know, hopefully, it's a game five preview next week. But yeah, let's uh, so. yeah. so let's transition uh, into some uh, into some Euro Cup. And it has been a wild round of 16. Um, man, like all the all the really good teams that people touted as being, you know, the favorites are are gone. And some in some ridiculous upsets. Yeah, I mean, we still got Belgium left, who is actually a lot of people had as the number one team. But uh, yeah, this group of death that we had in the preliminary round of Portugal, Germany, France, all three of them lost in the round this round eh? so it's just crazy that we talked about this being the group of death all three of these teams could win the euros and all three of them are gone now and france is the biggest shocker to me germany this is definitely an off year for them i mean i was probably the one more excited people to see portugal lose because i don't like them and i still don't (laughs) like ronaldo i know he's arguably the best player ever and i do respect him as a player but i don't like portugal and i don't like ronaldo but france was the big shocker to me Mm -hmm. i really thought they had a good chance at winning this and they got beat by Switzerland, and it was a crazy game too. It was like they were up late. They were, they were up. They were up two goals late, and they thought they had it in the bag. And then Switzerland scored some goals, tied it up. It goes to penalties. Like, like you know what? And it, it's wild too because you know if you looked at the games that were in the you know preliminary the preliminary round, right? Um, you know there were some good games, but you know there's a lot of boring ones. There was one nothing, nil nil, one one, whatever the case is. And we got treated to some just really really good football, um, and it is just it was just unreal. And I, I don't know, I just feel really good in 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 football, soccer, whatever. Um, I love when the underdog teams win. I just think it's so much fun because it's just one of those sports where it's kind of like American football, where generally speaking, the teams that are the best teams almost win all of the time it's all about ball possession it's all about control that kind of stuff so the really 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 good teams just lock it down on defense it's zero zero they get one scoring chance and they win one nil um but man yeah this round is 16 like i think the one that i loved and just seeing the videos i'm not sure if you see it but uh england has had trouble beating germany 
um, in the past, and they finally pulled it out, 2 nothing. And, uh, man, I saw some clips of some pubs in England, and, like, tables were being flipped, like, beers were being flung. Like, I mean, it wasn't Montreal, the streets of Montreal, which we didn't touch on, but the streets of Montreal, I mean, they, they had to lock down the Bell Centre after <laughs> after the Habs made the cup finals because they couldn't leave safely. Like, it was just wild, but I, I just, I don't know. I just, especially after coming off a pandemic, I just love to see that stuff. Um the English are just crazy when it comes to football, though. They're absolutely nuts. Yeah, and they finally beat Germany, which is kind of upsetting for me. I know with my last name, you'd think that I would be an England fan, but no, I'm a German fan. My family's way more German than or closer to me German, so it's kind of disappointing. But, uh, yeah, no, it was crazy to see the fans both in Montreal and in England, and it's just this is what you expect. People have been inside, lockdowns, quarantined for how long now? You're going to get huge moments like this in sport, moments that you really haven't seen in generations. Habs making the final, England beating Germany. Of course people are going to riot. People are going to have parties. People are going to be excited. That's what sports can do, especially after everything we've been through in the last two years. Well, we have some good games coming up in the quarterfinals. I mean, Ukraine snuck by Sweden. That was another kind of upset. Nobody really expected that. Ukraine gets by. Ukraine plays England in the quarterfinals um belgium plays italy spain plays the swiss and uh the danes play the czech republic um the game that i probably am going to watch and i can't sit here and say i've watched every single game but i do try to find the most interesting games um this belgium italy game should be pretty wild uh you got two really good teams italy's got their their kind of winning streak on the line here um you know, it just could be a really, really entertaining football game. Yeah, to me, that's the game you got to watch. I think whoever wins that game has to be the favorites with eight left and going into the semis. They got to be the favorite to win this thing. A couple of these matchups are just shocking. Like we had the Czechs versus Denmark. I don't think a lot of people had either of them getting here when you don't have teams like Germany, France, and Portugal here. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be whoever wins that Italy-Belgium game. To me, they're the favorites, and that's who I'd be picking to win. So that'll be the game to watch for sure. If you're just picking one of these last four to watch, that's it. Yeah, I agree. And and you know what? The Czechs beating the Netherlands, it was very somber, very somber mood in Norwich where there's a big Dutch community. There's Dutch flags flying everywhere, and they got taken down very, very quickly. People around here are pretty um, – it, it's kind of funny. Like, honestly, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like people who – you know, cheer for the Netherlands. I don't actually know if they watch football all the time, but man, do they love their country. Like anytime the Netherlands is playing, they're like, yep, we're all in. Like, let's, let's pull out our, pull out the orange. And it's wild. I remember the, I think it was the world cup a couple years. Oh, how long ago would that have been? Probably 15, 16 years ago, whatever it was when Spain beat, I think it was, I think it was the world cup, but Spain beat uh, the Netherlands in the, in the world cup. Could have been the Euro cup. I have no idea. It was a while ago, but I was, we were actually at a, at a Dutch family's house and, they like invited the whole family over. Everybody's wearing orange. And I just being the shit disturber I am, like I was probably like 10 years old at the time, 10, 12 years old. I, I brought a red shirt. I taped a Spain flag over the front and was just going wild when they won. And I didn't give two shits really, but um, yeah, just wild stuff. Re- I'm really looking forward to that. It's good to be good. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with, uh, with the Olympics coming up. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely an exciting time in international sports right now. All right, so let's get into uh, let's get into the Jays, man. So the Jays have been on a tear recently. They went kind of on a slump. They think they had lost five of six, and I believe that they've won eight of nine or nine of ten. And 
uh, recently, and their bats are just showing up. Um, Vladdy is just has is still going. Like this guy has not slowed down whatsoever. Um, Bo's been looking really, really good. Springer first game back, it's a dinger, and he's he's looked decent. Um, but again, the story here is still let's we we got to get uh, we we got to get some some help in the bullpen, and and they did that this week. Yeah, they, it was nice to see that. There's some of the craziest stats about this offense right now. They are have won eight and nine, and stuff. Is Boba Shett didn't hit a home run for two weeks, and no one talked about it. Imagine <laughs> other years with the Jays. You're like, oh, really? One of their top players goes two weeks cold, not really hitting it well, and to not even talk about it. That's how good this offense is. Is Boba Shett can go cold for two weeks, and they can still put up ten runs. It's nuts. It's super fun to watch. But, yeah, it's nice to see they finally picked up a pitcher. We knew this had to happen. And they picked up Corey Dickerson as well, who can be an interesting piece. They now have a lot of outfielders. So you got to think something else on the horizon is happening. You have way too many outfielders. You're already struggling on who was playing where because you want to spread that DH around. And you picked up one more who can be a good bat. So you got to think you've got to be moving one of these guys for starting pitching, relief pitching, pitching somewhere. So I don't mind the move for that as well. You pick up a really strong piece of your team, make it stronger so you can trade and not weaken it too much. Well, and, and yeah, and I totally agree. And the, the pitcher that they picked up was Adam Simber and sidearm pitcher, righty. And if you look at his stats this year, I mean, he's got a 2.88 ERA. So that's not, um, that's really not too bad. And he hasn't given a home run up this year yet either. So I think that's been one of the things that have been killing the Jays, honestly, in late games is they get guys on base. And guys on base is fine. Like, let's just remember that. It's fine. Like, you can get a guy on first, you can get a guy on second, and whatever. But it's when you give up that home run ball in the eighth inning, ninth inning, and you're giving up three, four runs at a time, you know, you're <laughs> that's when you get into trouble. Are you wrestling your dog over there? Yeah, she's really trying to eat my arm right now. It's not really much fun. <laughs> Oh man. Hey pets. I lock them out of the basement when I'm doing this kind of stuff. Cause it's, but you can't really do that. So otherwise she'll bark at you. So I guess you have to wrestle. Um, but yeah, I mean like Zimmer, as I said, like it's, it's a start. It's, it's definitely a start. I think, you, you know, you definitely need to add more. I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody. Um, I would be absolutely shocked if the Jays don't add more arms because frankly they need, I mean, we kind of talked about this at the start of the year. Like they don't actually really need to go for it technically. I mean, they got guys under contract for a bit. They got a young core that's not, you know, they'll still be fine, but you want to take advantage of this young core and have them for multiple years and go on multiple runs in case you don't get it done. I mean, the Jays are sitting third in the AL East right now. They're six and a half games back of the, of the Red Sox, which uh, that, that in itself is a surprise that the Red Sox are in first place, frankly, because we all thought they were going to be a dumpster fire at the start of the year. Um, and you look at, so the Jays are what? So the Jays are four games back of Cleveland for the last wild card, and you've got plenty of games left. Like, you've only played 77 games. You know, you've got 85, 86, whatever whatever the number is, games left. You're about halfway. Um, you, you're in the great, you're in a good spot. And we talked about this all year long. You, ha- you have a difficult schedule to start, load it up, when you get the easier schedule, get those games and just keep it close. That's all. That's that's what we were saying, and they've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, that was exactly it. We were talking about them needing to, in my opinion, two to three bullpen arms, one starter. So you picked up one of those bullpen arms that'll be important, and this offense just keeps rolling, though. So you can get away with it, but they'll need to pick up some more. But again, yeah, 
as we've said, they just needed to stay around 500 until they got to the easier part of their schedule. They did exactly that. Now they've won eight of nine and they just look like they could beat up on some of these weaker teams. So that's what you need to do. You'll still get to play Boston a lot, which again, they're shocking that they're here. A lot of people thought they'd be bad. So the Jays should have a chance to win the division. This year is probably one year earlier than you were thinking, but with the way this offense is clicking, you got to go for it. Yeah, I mean, you you absolutely yeah, yeah you you do as I said you do and you don't, but you do because it's just like you can't just sit there and be okay with mediocrity. I know that you know Roz Atkins is he got his extension and whatever, and and I I'm, I have more faith in him now than I did when he first started. Um, I mean, look at the they've they've drafted extremely well. They've you know brought in high quality free agents. I mean, Springer's a, other than his injury, but he's a high quality guy to bring in. And just the way that they've managed the kids in the roster has been really, really good. Um, I, I feel the one thing, other thing, I actually feel kind of sad, Cam, because our boy, Danny Jansen, ha- hasn't really played at all because Reese McGuire has just been uh, the, the 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 parking lot masturbator himself has just been has just been unbelievable. Well, that was the thing. You needed just one of these catchers to kind of be half decent and catch on. And Jansen had that uh, good stretch after you called him out, but he really fizzled off quite a bit. Reese McGuire stepped up, and he's doing what they need to do. I mean, you're in the ninth spot. You don't need to do much. Just do a little bit. If you can get on base occasionally for these big guys, you'll be in a good spot. And Reese McGuire's doing that. So Danny Jansen couldn't keep it up, so they just need one of these three guys to do something, and they'll be fine. Well, and as I said, it makes me sad, but because I, I like Danny Jansen, man, I think he's a cool guy. But um, you know, it is what it is. You got to win. I wonder if, like, because Ontario, we we moved into stage two today, so you're allowed 25 people outdoor outdoors. They're hinting that stage three could come sooner than later, which allows for larger venues outside. Um, I haven't looked it up, and I don't know. Like, is it in the cards that the Jays could possibly play in Toronto this season, or are they just going to say, yeah, whatever, we don't want to bother? So the biggest thing with the Jays, because as we found out that the government will, like they've allowed federal government has allowed Montreal to have teams come over and get them to go down. The biggest thing is, is when teams in the NHL like Tampa and Vegas are coming over, they are playing like in a complete bubble. And then even when the Habs go down to the States, they're in a bubble too. So it's, they've kind of hinted to the Jays they could do something similar. But do the Jays want to play every series on the road where they have to never leave the hotel, not do anything? And yeah, do teams no. really want to come up here for four-game series and not be able to do anything at all? Or is it better to keep them in Buffalo where everything's working a little better, the States is way more open, so it allows the players to have more of a life? So how much it sucks to not see them up here until they can do something with that, I can't see it happening. So that's kind of the issue with it. They've kind of been told by the government that they can do it something similar to the Habs are doing, but it's probably not going to get any different than that. Yeah. I, I you know what? It's, and that's the thing. It, it, to me, it makes sense. Like you've already got, and like Canadians are going, like are in Buffalo, like no doubt. Um, sneaking over the, like, you know, getting to the border on business. They'll go over the next day for, although, you know, they'll go on a business trip for an essential business trip. They'll stay, they'll watch the, the Jays and say at Salem and then they'll, you know, pop back over. And I think that you, you're going to see the borders open up sooner, sooner than later. If they do, um, and you know, vaccinated people don't, you know, they don't require quarantine. I could see it happening. 
Um, but if they have to bubble, as you said, like, I mean, if you talk, you look at the NHL bubble last year, right. And, and all those guys are talking about how like they're, and even LeBron James was saying, which LeBron James is a whiner, but I get, I get what he's saying is like, you're in this bubble for a month. You can't see anybody. You can't even really socialize with your teammates outside of practice or anything. You don't get to see your families. And frankly, to give up a, that lifestyle, as you said, of being able to go to restaurants in the U S to be able to have your families down there, whatever the case is, um, that's difficult to give up, man. And baseball players too, more than anybody, you're creatures of habit, right? As soon as you get into that rhythm, um, you know, like for example, like I don't want to quarantine Vladdy. Who knows what's going to happen? He might sit on his butt and order room service and play video games and lose it. Like, no, I don't want to see any of that. Just stay status quo. Next year, I think is good. Like, we're going to be good to go next year. I have absolutely no doubt about it. We're going to be back to normal. Uh, or whatever that normal is, but you're going to have cross-border travel. You're going to have teams playing. We're having full seasons. You know, junior teams are starting to are, are starting up in October. Like we're we're getting there. And I, I you know, as I said, you got to you got to give us you know give them four months, and uh, and we will be watching the Jays in Toronto next spring, one hundred percent. And it could be even interesting if the Jays make it to September and make the playoffs and stuff. You could maybe even see it where they do it because it's so little time and stuff. And to have the fans and to have the Rogers Center have some fans in it again might be worth it. So you could see it maybe in playoffs again where other teams are only having a quarantine for only games when they're up here. The Jays would still have to quarantine both ways. But again, it's September. Maybe rules change by then in general. So for right now, it's definitely staying status quo. But who knows by the playoff time if the Jays can make it, maybe we could see them back up north. Well, and I, I, I just – the one thing that I want to comment too is I don't know if I'd want the Jays to be playing at Rogers Center at 25% capacity. You'd have 15,000 fans in the stands, and it's that's a pretty quiet barn in general. I mean, it's not really – whatever, not a barn, but stadium. It's quite stadium in general. I mean, the playoffs, it's pretty wild, but 15,000 in that huge of a place, like honestly, you're better off just, just from support – like fan support and fan noise, you're better off to just play at Salem Field and just have it full capacity. Like, to, like in my opinion, for the team, it makes way more sense. Like, yeah, like it, it would be awesome to be able to go watch baseball in Toronto in the playoffs. Like, we've, I'm sure you've been there. I've been there. Um, it, it's, it's an awesome, awesome atmosphere when they're winning. I mean, 2015 comes to mind is the last big one that they did, and um, you know that that stadium was rocking. Um, similar to how the, the Leafs get rocking in the playoffs too. They, they're really quiet all year long, but in the playoffs, it's pretty good. Um, same for the Jays, but I don't know if I'd want 25% capacity there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens with uh, government re- regulations, but right now the Jays got to make the playoffs for any of this to matter, and they're playing good baseball, and they just got to keep it up. Just got to keep it up, keep it firing, keep swinging the bat, doing what they got to do. Um, did you see the article about the Canadian boxer Manny Bujold? I did not know. Okay, so let me. T- I I just think it's really cool, and and this is a I think a really good kind of transition into our kind of final topic. Um, so Canadian boxer Mandy uh, Bujold is was the number two ranked boxer, and she had a baby. She was pregnant, and then she took care of her. She took care of her uh, baby, so she was postpartum, and then COVID happened, and there was no qualifying events in twenty in twenty twenty. They all got canceled. So the IOC told her that she didn't qualify for the Olympics in Tokyo this summer, and she appealed it because I mean it's just ridiculous, frankly. I mean the IOC seriously, like, ah man, there's been so many times where I just look at the decisions that these guys make, and it's so dumb. Like the other one that comes to mind before I and I'll continue this story, but the Canadian basketball player, you know, she wants to bring her baby to Tokyo, and they said no. And she's breastfeeding and it's like, and they're like, no, I can't do it. 
no family. And it's like, she's like, yeah, but I have to breastfeed my child. Like, what do you want me to do? And they're, they're not making any exceptions. So anyway, back to Mandy here, she, she asked, so she appealed it to the court of arbitration for sport. How, did you even know that was a thing? I kind of did because there's been a couple other issues with the IOC when it comes to that. So I did kind of know that it was there. The court of arbitration for sport. Like, how do you even get on that? Like, I have no idea, but first time I've ever heard about it. Anyway, so she uh, she appealed it to them, and they uh, overruled the IOC, so she will get to compete in Tokyo. I, t- I just think it's amazing, um, just in terms of, like, I think it's, like, last year especially, there's been a lot of issues that have come up in women's sports, um, and just, you know, talking about some of the inequalities, the NCAA women's tournament. Uh, we talked about the uh, NCAA women's golf that got canceled and all this kind of stuff, and it just continues onward and onward with that kind of stuff. So I think it's great that she gets to go um even if she wasn't canadian i mean if anybody else had this happen to i mean i would absolutely support her getting getting to go i mean hey you don't get to number two in anything without grinding and and doing all that stuff and um for her to be able to to go compete at the olympics i just find it so amazing that that she's going to be able to do that so so shout out to mandy way to go girl love it yeah it's awesome to see i know there's been other issues in other sports with this i know tennis has had issues when a player has a kid that they've lost their world rankings which makes it tougher to get into tournaments and stuff so it's an ongoing issue in across sports because it's a uh, something that doesn't happen all the time because a lot of the professional athletes don't have kids in their prime so it's a weird situation but i'm happy that the right thing was done here in my opinion yep that, and that's just it the, the right thing was done i think anybody looking at it is the right thing it is and it's it's honestly it's more egg on the face of the ioc like just it's just another incident of of, of where this is happening so um, I think it's going to take some, you know, it might take a couple more times, but I just think that at some point you got to take a look at the mirror and just say, Hey, like, what are we doing? Like, why are we restricting the best athlete? Like the Olympics is about the best athletes in the world competing in their respective sport. Why would you not want, and I get, I get, you could say, well, it's because then nobody's going to compete in qualifier events, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I understand that. Except again, like, it's not like it's, all of the boxers are coming from Canada and there's a bunch of them that she beat out that are going to have a chance. Like this is the number two ranked player. Like you just got to do better. That's it. Just do better. Um, Canada days tomorrow. And today, um, you're listening to this or today. Yes. Today, whatever could be yesterday. Um, you know, there, and, and there's a lot of political stuff going on about that kind of stuff. We're not a politics podcast. So we're going to leave that out of it. Uh, whatever the, the, the personal opinions everybody has, but um just in honor of in honor of Canada Day, we want to focus on some positive stuff. So, Cam, we're going to just talk about uh, current Canadian athletes. So, top current Canadian athletes, and and we're just going to talk about them. I, I think I said five. We're going to mention five. I get a couple, obviously, and we might have the uh, we we might have the same ones, but I'll let you kick it off. So, did you rank yours, Burke? Before we start this, did you actually rank yours? One through five. Yeah, I, I did, but like as I'd said, like it's kind of like fluid, and and just keep in mind, like it's it's one of those things where like your reason for somebody being top could be that they're the best athlete in the sport, they contribute to society, whatever the case is. It's this is wide open. This is just in your opinion, who's one, a top five Canadian athlete right now? And if you want to rank it, great. If you don't want to rank it, then it's up to you. Well, if we both have it somewhat ranked, let's start at number five. I got a few honorable mentions to mention afterwards, but who knows? Those guys could be in your top five. So when I kind of went through this, I really had a tough time. There were so many athletes and then so little at the same time. I'm like, wait, how do I narrow it down to kind of five people? 
But I had to start it off at number five. I went with Christine Sinclair. Just overall, she's still current. She's the all-time leading international goal scorer for soccer, both men's and women's. It's an Olympic year. She's now won an Olympic medal. She's done it all, and she's gonna has a chance to do it again. And just everything she's done for women's sport, especially soccer in Canada, to be a top five uh, power in the world for soccer with her behind it and to do everything she's done is crazy. So for me, she could be up there in all-time Canadian athletes, and she's still, in my opinion, a top five current Canadian athlete, and I look forward to seeing her at the Olympics again. Yep, and you stole my number three. I had her uh, ranked at number three. Um, again, I, as you said, I just think that, you know, for me, it's just so, so impressive what she's done, and and, and again, just setting records not just in women's sports, just overall in, in international sport, I think is amazing. And, you know, you look at, you know, my sister who's 20 five right like she's been around christine's been around for so long that you know my sister who was a big soccer fan you know grew up and and was watching her and was just such a role model for kids and um and women and girls in in sports so shout out christine sinclair top five canadian athlete um so i will do my number five i'll, I'll get some honorable mentions but i'll do my number five um so my number five uh top canadian athlete and you might laugh it is mike weir Mike Weir is my top five Canadian athlete right now. And I'll tell you why. And it's, this is not because, I mean, there's plenty of people, as we said, that we can mention on this list, but I'll tell you why it's Mike Weir. Because Mike Weir inspired a generation of Canadian golfers, and he's still a current player. And he's and he may not be, you know, winning majors anymore. He might not be winning any sort of, you know, regular PGA event tournaments, but he's still a guy along with Tiger. I mean, Tiger was huge, obviously, not Canadian. But Mike Weir, when he won the Masters uh, in the early 2000s, um, really just brought brought golf to the forefront and just showed, hey, like there is absolutely um, a way that Canadian golfers can be successful in the PGA. And look now at how many golfers on tour are having success that are Canadians, right? Like it's just, and, and you ask any of them, they're like, yeah, you know, like you're watching Mike Weir and, and Tiger Woods is always brought up because everybody under the age of 30 is in love with Tiger Woods, uh, rightfully so. Um, but they always mention Mike Weir. Always, always, always. And that's the reason. And I think that's, again, his success is why we have as many successful Canadian golfers that we do. And shout out to Mike Weir, top five Canadian athlete. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking all time and greatest Canadian sports moments, Mike Weir's got to be there for me. Five, top five current, I guess I see your side and this is why we did it. Everyone's got their own opinion on top five. And I definitely understand your argument there for it. And I mean, one of the greatest moments of my life is watching Mike Weir put on a green jacket and one of my favorite moments in sports. So definitely see the argument for it there. And who do you got at number four? So I'll move into my number number four. This is, again, I'm going very current more with mine, I think, than maybe you are, at least with where you started, which I get. So my number four is going to be Jamal Murray. I just think right now is the golden age for Canadian basketball, and it's not even close. We saw them beat Greece yesterday. They should really have a good chance at qualifying for the Olympics. And it sucks that Jamal Murray's not there, and it sucks that he was injured during the playoffs. But what he's done over the playoffs, he's putting up numbers similar to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, some of the elite playoff scores when he was in playing last year. He's a true star in the NBA. I know Steve Nash is the best Canadian basketball player of all time. He has yeah. two uh, MVPs, and we've seen it. But Jamal Murray might be up there, and it's the golden age of – Canadian basketball and what he's doing for that Denver team, which is so good this year. And I think will be really good for a couple years. It was great to see. And I just, 
I was trying to pick one guy out of this golden age of Canadian basketball and Jamal Murray stands out. He's got to be the biggest star right now for them in the NBA. And he's a perennial all-star right now with how young he is, which is super good to see. And I think honestly, with the way the NBA playoffs went, if he was in that lineup for Denver, I could see them winning it this year. So it was really unfortunate we didn't get to see that. Yeah, it sucks that he got injured. I mean, that's a great pick. And again, I think this again falls on that line of, um, you know, like, and you know, it's too bad Vince is Vince is done playing, or he he might be on that list. I'm kind of going on the inspirational side. That's where I'm kind of going. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jamal from Kitchener, Ontario. You know, the guy. You know, you look at all these um, all these young kids, right? And and you know, people our age or you know would have watched you know Vince. Um, would have watched Vince Carter and he's not a Canadian, but they would have watched Vince Carter play up here. And that's what it would have inspired, you know, Canadians to, or young kids to play. But now we've got this homegrown talent, which is just such a difference. And he's, he's, a, he's a great, great example of that. Um, I mean, RJ Barrett's another good example, right. Of Canadian players. Um, but yeah, Jamal Murray, unbelievable. Uh, my number four, I'm sticking with, um, I'm sticking with soccer. So three was Christine Sinclair for me. So you already said that one. Number four for me is Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies, Canadian, 20 years old, uh, plays for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. And this guy is just unbelievable. Um, you know, winger for Bayern Munich. This guy is 20 years old. He's won the, uh, the Bundesliga. He's won the UEFA uh, Cup. He's like, he's just a stud and just how old he is and, and just the level that he's playing at. Um, again, like an, an, another inspirational guy where like he came over um, to Canada at a young age. He said, yep, I'm Canadian. Like this is where I'm, this is where I grew up. This is where I'm from. I absolutely am Canadian 100%. And he's gone on to do amazing things in some of the best leagues in the world. And uh, you just love to see it, right? I really hope that the, the Canadian team can make the Olympics or sorry, the Olympics, make the uh, the World Cup. Because they got a chance, actually, to make the World Cup. And, I mean, he'd be the best player on that team if he decided to play for them or was allowed to play for them. I just think it'd be super cool to see. And I just think, again, similar to Christine Sinclair, uh, obviously different because she's a super, super, mega superstar. But he's just, again, one of those guys where if you're a young football fan, young soccer fan, like, you look up to this guy. Yeah, you stole my thunder. I had Alfonso Davies as my top Canadian athlete currently in the world. Just with how big football and soccer is in the world, what he's doing for Canadian soccer. He's 20 years old. He's playing left back for Bayern Munich. Forget that he's Canadian. 20 years old playing left back for Bayern Munich when they won Champions League, which is the biggest team trophy in the world. It's crazy. And the fact that he's playing for Canada, he's Canadian, and now he's a part of the golden age of Canadian soccer. I don't going to keep mentioning that, but it, right now we have the best soccer teams, the best basketball teams this country's ever seen. You're seeing these elite athletes play different sports other than just hockey. And what Alfonso Davies is doing for soccer and Canadian soccer right now, and then what he's doing on the club level, international level, playing for Canada, it's amazing to see. And to me, he's the top athlete in Canada right now in the world. And it's crazy because he's 20. Give it 15 years from now. It won't shock me if we have so many Canadians playing soccer because of Alfonso Davies and what he's going to do for the game, both for men and women. Because soccer is still the biggest sport in the world, and he's proving to be one of the biggest stars in the world, and especially in Canadian soccer. And not only that, too, but like he, he because he's so young, like it's just the beginning. Like that's what's crazy to me, right? Is, is as as we said, he's twenty years old and he's already won all this stuff. Like, man, like this guy has just there, there's so much more to that that is to come. And I think that's what's amazing. Do you want to dive into your number three since I've already did mine? 
Yeah, no matter how much I tried to stay away from uh, hockey here, I had to go with Connor McDavid. Right now, he's currently a top five Canadian athlete in the world. This guy was just the second unanimous Hart Trophy winner, won another Ted Lindsay, three-time Art Ross Trophy winner. He is currently the best hockey player, and maybe I'd say the maybe probably the best hockey player I've ever seen play hockey at 27 years old. The things he does on the ice, I've never seen anybody else be able to do, especially at that speed. Just watching, like, I remember going and watching Guelph Storm games when Erie was there just to watch him play as, like, a 15-year-old. And now he's doing those same things against the best in the world and being the second unanimous behind Gretzky for Hart Trophy in a year that was crazy and his stats were just unbelievable. He's still one of the top Canadian athletes, and I know it's – I almost wanted to go against hockey, but it's still our national sport, and Connor McDavid is the best at it right now. Yep, and again – like that's so it's I'll go number two and my number two was Connor McDavid and again like this guy had every single vote first place vote for the Hart Trophy every single one not even one person dissented from that a hundred first place votes um just want to shout out Austin Matthews got second with 69 uh second place votes which was awesome but like he just steamrolls it man and he's just one of those guys where you know, everybody, like if you're a hockey fan, like every single person in Canada knows who, knows who this guy is. And Crosby's been that guy forever. Like Crosby's been the face of Canadian hockey for so long. You know, he throws, you know, that two, 2010 goal, uh, Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. I mean, that's something that definitely sticks in the mind of any hockey fan who's old enough or to remember that. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, the NHL players go to the Olympics. I love to see McDavid be able to be there represent Canada but he's just one of those guys as I'd said who he's just so recognizable so so good and we just continue to pump out um we just continue to pump out the best the best players in the world and I'm standing by that we're just we are number one that's what I'm going with yeah so then you touched on your number two I'll touch on my number two and this one might be slightly biased but I think it's really true and to me it's Brooke Henderson everything she's doing in the way of golf right now especially Canadian women's golf so she was the first major winner since Mike Weir in golf, in sorry Canadian golf. She won the Canadian Open at 23 years or less than 23 years old, which is huge. There was a massive curse around no golfer being able to win either the men's or women's Canadian Open, and she did it. She's always in the top 10. She's really a top five golfer in the world currently. She's only 23 years old. She's doing all this super young, and she's the face of Canadian golf, and just she's such a good role model and. By the end of this, she's easily going to be the best Canadian golfer of all time by the end of her career. She'll pass Mike Weir. She's already broken most of those records for wins, majors, everything. And she's 23 years old. So what she's doing right now is amazing, and I think she's going to continue to do it for a long time. And that's your so that's your number two. Your number one was Alfonso Davies, right? Correct, yeah. All right. So the one so I'll get to my number one. And so my number one is Dr. Kill. Laurent Duvernay Tardif. This guy is uh, like this guy's, a, a, in my opinion, just a Canadian hero. Um, you know, I, a lot of people don't watch like the NFL is not as popular, obviously, in Canada than it is in the U.S. Um, but to me, what this guy did, uh, he, he's been recognized for. This is not something that has been overlooked um, whatsoever. He was the co-winner of the Lou Marshall Award. Um, which was given to Canada's top athlete. So, I mean, this guy, he's a doctor. He, he opted out of the 20, we talked about him before we like, he opted out of the 2020 season NFL season so that he could work as a doctor at a clinic at a hospital. 
and give and give support. So I just think that he embodies what it means to be um, to be Canadian, where he puts you know others before himself. And I mean, not only has he won a Super Bowl, um, but he just I mean, man, I, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just so amazing that somebody can say, yeah, I, I'm just going to I'm going to take the year off. I'm going to throw away money that I could have possibly made. I don't care about the money. I want to go back. I want to support my community. And just the fact that he's a he's a doctor and plays in the NFL is wild. And I love his nickname. Dr. Kill is hilarious. And he got that nickname. He showed up to practice in his scrub. So his teammates dubbed him Dr. Kill because he's just a beast. Uh, uh, Dr. Kill, Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, thank you for everything that you did last year. And Canadian hero, I love it. That's my number one. Yeah, I had him in my honorable mention list, and I really thought about putting him in my top five a bunch. And just everything he did, you realize how much KC missed him this year with how bad that offensive line was and how important he was. But just, yeah, again, not everything on the field because he's a tremendous offensive lineman in the NFL. He's won a Super Bowl as a Canadian, which is super impressive. But everything he's done off the field to, yeah, opt out of arguably the best team in the NFL and be like, yeah, I don't really care about another Super Bowl. I'm a doctor. We're in the middle of a pandemic worldwide. I need to go do what I can to help. It's it's just a tremendous story, and he was deserving of co-winner of the Lou Marsh Award. And, yeah, for sure, he definitely can be in that talk, and I love that pick. And he, he, he won that with Alfonso, did he not? Did he not split yeah. that with Alfonso Davies? So, I mean, there you yeah, go. Yeah, he did. Right? So your top is Alfonso Davies. Mine is uh, Duvernay Tardif, both co-winners of the Lou Marsh War. Uh, I love it. Uh, one of my honorable mentions is uh, Bianca Andrescu. Um, she's had a lot of problems with injuries lately, but she won the U.S. Open in tennis. So, like, I, I have to put her in the honorable mentions just in terms of that kind of a contribution. So... That she, she's up there. Had, yeah, I had the entire golden age of Canadian tennis. I've said it for what? Basketball, soccer, and now <laughs> tennis. But you look at the world rankings on both tennis, both men's and women's. We now have Felix Auger-Aliassime, who's tremendous and always up there, winning a few rounds at every major. Shapovalov's been there a couple times. He's really done amazing. Raonic has been there a couple times. And on the women's side, we had Andrew Esco win the U.S. Open. And uh, Leila Annie Fernandez is doing really good as well. Mm-hmm. And all like six of these people are now tremendous. And they were a huge part of like the guys and the Davis cup and how good they were and everything going on in Canadian tennis right now is amazing. And Andrew Eskew has already won. And I think it's not going to be too long before we see one of these three guys break through and win a major on the guys men's side. It's just such a fun time. Every time when we're paying attention to a major right now, you see a Canadian tennis star being successful. And we yeah, have Chapel in the o- third round of Wimbledon. It's just super exciting. So, yeah, I think all of them deserve to be honorable mentions. And uh, just, yeah, such a fun time to be a Canadian tennis fan overall. Do you have any more honorable mentions there, Burke? I think that I'm, I think that I'm good. I, I want to give an honorable mention to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Canadians, born and raised here, big supporters of pretty much every sport. So shout out to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Happy Canada Day to us. Happy to be so from here. So I just want to... Wanted to touch on two more honorable mentions that I had because I did quite a bit of research into this. One honorable mention based on his rookie season needs to be Chase Claypool. Crazy year he had and with how big NFL is in North America and how little success Canadians have had in the NFL overall, we need to kind of keep an eye on him. With the season he had, he could actually, within five years, easily be the best Canadian in the NFL all time. So to me, he's got to be an honorable mention just because – Again, in five years, we could be looking back on it and him 
everything he's done for Canadian football that side especially in the NFL really making strides could be huge and you're seeing it every year with more Canadians getting drafted high and my second one is Penny Alexiak she had a massive Olympics last time and I know with the Olympic swimmers and Olympic athletes you kind of forget about them every four years basically but with everything she did at the last Olympics and now coming into this year being another huge story with the Olympic year I think, again, if she does what she did similar to what she did last Olympics, she might be arguably the best Canadian athlete ever. She's already up there for most successful Olympic. So if she can do that again at the Olympics, we, we're going to be talking about her forever. And my last one uh, with the Olympics, I just, just thought of this. Andre de Grasse, um, Canadian sprinter. He won bronze last Olympics, I believe, in the 100 meter. Um, again, one of those guys, if he can stay healthy, He's he can compete with the best in the world and and hopefully we're going to be able to see him in Tokyo in July. That's a great list. I mean we've we I mean the thing is is like it's crazy man how many good Canadian athletes that you know that there are. I mean it's so hard to to narrow a list down. I mean everybody in their own respect has you know become a professional and has grinded their way to get there. Um, so I, I think that's a great. I think it's great. I love I love the list. Yeah, and it's just super exciting being a Canadian, especially like we've said, we're fans of every sport. It's always been for so long that the top Canadian athletes play hockey, and now you're seeing them in so many different sports, and it's just super exciting to now see top players in just about every sport there is who are Canadian, and it's just fun because if you follow all the sports, you can just now watch Canadians too. You don't really, you can just cheer for Canadians. You don't have to have a team or an athlete you really like. It's like, oh yeah, there's a Canadian now who's at the top. Of course, I'm going to cheer for them. So it's a great time for Canadian sports overall and an Olympic year in Canada Day, today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, yesterday. we got to touch on it because I know I'm super proud to be Canadian and I'm always happy to watch Canadians in sport. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, I, I just love that as you said, right. And this is why I love the Olympics is that I'll watch sports like pole vaulting, hammer throw, all this crap that I normally would never, and when I say crap, I mean that lovingly, but I never would watch this kind of stuff. But as soon as it's on TV, it's like, Oh, it's Canadian. Let's go. Like let's, let's do the butterfly stroke swim, like win the gold medal. It doesn't matter. They got the, they got the, they got the maple leaf on their chest and, uh, and we're rooting for them hard, which is again, as I said, why I love, uh, the Olympics. So we got to get out of here. Montreal is about to play game two versus Tampa. Looking forward to that. Anything else? It's a little bit shorter for pod, but we're still not bad. Just tucked it under an hour. Uh, we'll be back next week and, and we'll see uh, what happens. Either Cam's going to break down the season and he's going to be, uh, and he's going to be a little sad or, or he, maybe he'll be inspired. I don't know. It's all going to shake out uh, this week in the, uh, in the Stanley cup final. Yeah. I mean, I just got to, they're there. So they got a chance. You make the final, you always have a chance and, Game one wasn't good, but hopefully tonight will be much better. And next week we'll be talking about the Habs being in a great spot. So let's go Habs. Let's just everybody have fun. Everybody have fun. That's what I'm going with. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Over 6 Sports. You can follow myself uh, at Zach Burke Over 6 and at C Charlton Turf. Um, and uh, feel free, drop us a review, please, and thank you if you haven't already done so. And just want to shout out uh, last week's podcast. Uh, we had listens in... Uh, in the UK, in Australia, in the US, in Canada. So uh, much, much, much love from us. Uh, we appreciate you and uh, and everybody new who's listening. I got a message the other day from somebody who I had no idea listened to the podcast and said, hey, really like what you guys do. Just want to let you know. So uh, shout out to, uh, to all our listeners. You're the best. Uh, and uh, 
for the Over Six Sports Podcast. I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me as always, still just Cameron Charlton, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.